Welcome to Just Punk Enough. I am your host, Andy Harrison. This is KNVC 95.1 FM, Carson City. Thanks for joining me tonight. We have a good episode tonight. I interviewed Pierre Marche for this show. He's the drummer of Screeching Weasel and uh, drummer of Sucker Punch, and he has been in the Reno scene for an awfully, awfully long time. I uh, never have talked to him in depth like this, so it was pretty rad. So, uh, yeah, let's enjoy this episode while I talk to Pierre. How did you get into punk rock? Can you tell me? Yeah, I, I know exactly how I got into punk rock. Um, and I used to be embarrassed by the story because I don't feel that it was uh, uh, early enough in my life to... to warrant what I do with it now or what I've done with it since, yeah. I guess. But because truthfully, um, when my first, uh, I get not induction, but, um, first exposure to punk rock was probably in like 1980, 84. And it was because my brother was into punk rock and he was into like, you know, I don't know, like Gnostic front, dead yeah. milkman, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I didn't like it. Yeah. I thought it was very dissonant. Um, and there was, well, it was, I mean, it's not, that I thought it was it just, yeah. that's a fact. There wasn't a lot of melody in it and I didn't really get it to me. It was all politics and anger, um, at the government and things that I really didn't understand because I was like 13, yeah. 14 and didn't really care about right. what I did know and care about were at the time, you know, rock and roll and chicks and you know, yeah. everything that appeals to a typical teenage boy. Yeah. So the punk thing, I wasn't angry like that. So it didn't really appeal to me. And the most important thing that I've found in music is probably still what's important to me about it. And that's melody. So, and when it was devoid of that, it just, it didn't hold my interest. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and the bands I was listening to were, were completely opposite of that. They were Van Halen. And, yep, they were singing. Totally. It was, and now, you know, a lot of those, the subject matter wasn't as, uh, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. It doesn't seem as deep, you know, and maybe I was, uh, you know, listening to stuff for the wrong reasons. I don't know, but it, for whatever it appealed to me, and I didn't like punk. Um, my brother loved it, um, and he had all the the vinyl and the um, seven inches and all that stuff. And yeah. I was I was just a rock and roll guy. So when I really got into punk, where, where things changed for me, I wanted to say Green Day, like that would make sense, right? Yeah. Back when they were the first ones that got really popular. Yeah. Um, but I, I knew of Green Day in 1993, I think when I was living in Tennessee, they came through a tour in a van and a local zine did a story on them and I was like, oh, okay, but, but even then I, I didn't, I hadn't really heard the music. I just read about the band. Okay, I'm like, like, that's my first inkling, but the first melodic punk band that I actually heard and saw live was face to face. Oh, cool. And it was at the little Waldorf here in Reno. No kidding. They played there. Mm-hmm. Cause I remember them playing at, uh, Del Mar and- and they had some sort of falling out or something for years, or I can't remember the yeah, story might have been that. But after that, this, yeah. this, because this would have been in like ninety four, ninety five, somewhere in oh, there. And cool. they, they were playing at the wall. And a friend of mine said, "Hey, I have a free ticket. You want to yeah. go see this punk band with me?" And I was thinking, punk, like I'd, you know, other, right. I don't know, I'm not really yeah. into that. I was, you know, I was just got through the grunge thing and trying to figure out rock and roll, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh. But it was a free ticket, right? So yeah. I walked into the wall, and I was the only person in that sold-out show that hadn't heard a face-to-face because yeah. that crowd was going 
ballistic yeah. and they were crowd surfing and I never had heard such strong backing vocals in a punk band before. Yeah. And it was, they were harmonized with, you know, and dueling, you know, doubling the vocals. And it was just so powerful right. to me that it changed everything. I yeah. was like, I was in a, a biohazard kind of metal band at the time and I instantly quit and I started looking for a melodic punk band. I'm like, I want to do that. Um, that's, that's yeah. cool. Cause face to face was pretty much my first, like, you too. That's how I learned oh. how to play guitar. I mean, right. I liked, like you were saying, like Green Day and stuff like that. But Face to Face was the one that was like, oh, okay. There's more than just, yeah. There's more than just three chords going on here. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it was cool. So were you playing drums at this time? You were. Yeah. You were in a, a yeah. metal band. Like when yeah. did you start playing drums? Uh, when I was 11. Yeah. Yeah. And was it like too. you picked it up right away and were like, oh, I like this. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, my my mom was a musician, um, and, and took me to a, a fa- uh, it was a school, uh, not f- like a music fair kind of thing yeah. where they were showing you all the different instruments you could play. And she kept trying to sit me down at the piano. Yeah, and I, the minute <laughs> I heard someone tapping on a snare, I was like, yeah. Whoop! Yeah. <laughs> like held my attention, and that's cool. I think I ended up stealing the sticks. Yeah, the, to the only only pair of sticks they had for the snare, but I, I took them home. Because I was in love with uh, Bogart of the snare, wouldn't let yeah. anyone else touch it. I'm like, this is what I want to do. And, and was that were were yeah. you in Reno? No, I was in Saudi Arabia. Oh, you were. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what, did you start about... playing music there, like in bands? And stuff, no, or? that was I was 11 years old and yeah. as a kid. So, um, and then from I, I lived in Saudi Arabia for six years as a kid. Okay. And then when I was uh, 12, we moved to Vegas, um, and that's when I discovered rock and roll. Okay. Because that was my first like. American school. Yeah. I was born in California, but we moved overseas when I was like five or six years old. Okay. So I never went to schools here until I was like 12. Yeah. And then all, and all those, my new American friends, so to speak, were showing me, you know, uh, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, gotcha. Van Halen. And so, yeah. you know, so I was learning about rock and roll and I had sticks and of course, you know, so I started drumming like that. I guess. How, how long were you in Vegas? Just a year, a oh, year okay. and a half. Yeah. And then where'd you go after that? Reno. Reno. Yeah. And then is this where you started like forming bands and yeah, getting this into, is yeah. Like, my first band was a high school band called Guilty Conscience. That, Guilty Conscience. It was a, it was pretty cheesy looking back, but but we were kids, you know, and and we were kind of a new wave band. Yeah. Um, and we we had like probably three originals and fifteen covers, yeah. but we were covering like yeah. New Order and Killing Joke and yeah. stuff like that, stuff that was kind That's of cool, hip and a little out of the box. Yeah at the time you know right. i mean so it's kind of cool but, so then after face yeah. to face you quit your metal band and started you wanted to form a punk rock band or yeah i was looking for a punk rock band yeah. i just and i f- i would never have been so bold to think i could form one but i yeah. figured i could jump in one right it's a good thing about being a drummer you, yeah. you know you just got to find the right guys right. and, and slide, slide in there so um and i i saw an ad at bizarre guitar on the wall um that a band was looking a uh, punk ska band was looking for a drummer and I was like well, I didn't really know what punk ska was but I knew what punk was I'm like good enough they got yeah. one of the words in there I'm looking for <laughs> so yeah. I called him and it turned out to be uh, Sucker Punch who was actually called Dead Finger at the time really yeah um, when I joined we changed the name to Sucker Punch it was why? Sucker Punch why um, I don't know I think they uh, I don't know if they didn't like the name Dead Finger or not. Um, yeah. I can't remember why we changed it. It was maybe because they lost the singer and they lost the drummer, and I think they wanted to change it up. Yeah. A new name, new band kind of thing. And so Mike, who sings for Sucker Punch now, was just the uh, trumpet player. He didn't sing. And I remember the day I practiced one time with their old singer, 
And then he quit and he moved to California and I was like, well, I guess the band's over. And Mike's like, no, I'll try singing. And like, that's how Mike started. And he became like the known singer of Sucker Punch. So how long were you guys together before you did that, the EP tape, right? Didn't you? Yeah, we did a a cassette and I probably a couple months. I mean, it it all kind of went really fast. Um, The Super Bun, right? Super Bun 6000 prototype. What's funny is demo tape, 1996. Yeah. And yeah. Do, you saw, do you have any of those tapes? Yeah, I have That's a couple. Cool. Yeah, we only printed um, 500 of them. Yeah. And I remember I kept like two or three myself. Did you? Um, you guys had them made? Yeah. You didn't do like DIY? No. Tape? No. Well, we yeah. Well, we DIY in the sense that we paid for yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah, we, for sure. we, Where did you guys record that? Is it in uh, Reno? No. Everything no. was uh, recorded at Enharmonic, which is was. That name was changed to the Hangar. It was a studio in Sacramento oh, on I C Street. That. I remember seeing. And it, why it was so cool was it was Enharmonic shared a warehouse with Heckler Magazine, which was the skate zine oh, right. at the time. Yeah. Um, so I knew Seven Seconds had done some stuff down there. Yeah. It was uh, the band. I think it was Far. I think was from Sac. I think they. Don't quote me on that. No, it's okay. I think it was I think it was the band, but they they had some kind of notoriety. But I met the owner of the studio, a guy named John Batchagalupi, at a Heckler magazine um, p- birthday party for the magazine that, yeah. that Sucker Punch played, and he said you should come to my studio in Sac and record. And um, we were so green, we yeah. were like, all right, sounds good. We yeah. you know we knew there were studios here in Reno, but we thought this is cool. This is Heckler magazine. This is yeah. you know this is trans world kind yeah. of you know we're like we're, oh, yeah. we're doing that. So we went, and to our delight, that studio um, had full uh, half pipe, quarter pipes uh, inside the warehouse. So you'd record all day, yeah. and then at night when the engineer went home, it was a playground. Yeah, and we awesome. would just skateboard all night, cool, which yeah. is right, you know. And Brian and Mike were really good skateboarders. Yeah. I, I was never as good as I wanted <laughs> right. to be. I could barely yeah. ride, yeah. you know. But damn it, I tried, yeah. and it was fun. Um, so we, yeah, we recorded uh, that cassette there we actually did uh and it's actually same studio we did um our second full length um bustin roids we went back there to do it where'd you do the first full length uh at the old sierra sonics slash granny house oh yeah yeah, that's right with uh tom gordon yeah yeah Yeah. that's cool how was that experience working with him from the tape because he's a pro right yeah yeah it was tom is is awesome um but for our style, we just we did better at Enharmonic oh, okay. um, yeah. because, I, first of all, we couldn't afford the A studio at right. Sierra Sonic, right. so we were up in the C studio, yeah, yeah, yeah. B or C, whatever upstairs was. But we did it. Okay, so visualize this: the the Superbun Six Thousand was recorded in this, you know, uh, in the summer in Sacramento where we're skateboarding. Yeah. There's beer, we're having good yeah. times, you know. Uh, kicking hacky sacks and whatever, you know, hippie punks aren't supposed to do. Um, and then when we did the first full length here in Reno, it was January, it was snowing, yeah. it was freezing. We were Total in this upstairs, vibe. stuffy yeah. studio. It, it felt more like a chore. It wasn't nearly as yeah. fun. And I think, um, and this is not a slight on Tom Gordon because everybody knows that guy is, is awesome. Yeah. He's a great um, 
producer and engineer and everything else, but he didn't suit our style yeah. and we didn't suit his very well. And yeah. I think that, I hope the guys don't mind me saying this, but a lot of the guys in Sucker Bunch were kind of intimidated working with yeah. Tom and that's kind of on us, not him. Yeah. But what it resulted in was them not, everything was in tune and everything was perfect, but a lot of the personality and the, the aggressive and the fun mm. was sucked out and you can hear it on that album. I can I can't listen to this day I can't listen to the Crookers and the Crunch and I wish we'd gone back to Enharmonic and done it just because I the personality isn't there yeah. it's not it's really stuffy it's sonically great I mean it, you know we played clip tracks and you know we had a, a strobe tuner for the horns and everything and like Bustin' Royds uh, on the other hand was done in, in Sacramento and it was a little sloppy and yeah. it's not perfect but but the the, the charisma vibe, and the vibe is just so yeah. much th- and that's Sucker Punch isn't about perfection yeah. and doing it exactly right it's it's a, it's a vibe and it's about fun and family and I mean half the time you know we pull stuff off well hey Bun played it right or you know oh I, I did the drum thing right yeah. and we look at each other and like congratulatory yeah. you know <laughs> moment we're like holy shit we pulled it off and that's what made it fun yeah. but I, I also think looking back that band was so popular because of that yeah you know, people could sense that it's not that we didn't get a shiv. It's, I mean, I guess in some sense we did, but or, or we didn't. But it was just fun. No matter what happened, we we're like, right. "Holy, we're doing it!" And yeah. like, and I think that rubs off on a crowd when you're not taking yourself so seriously oh, yeah. and you're just having a good time. They have a good time, and I think that's why because we play with really tight, good metal bands. Um, False Silent. I mean, these yeah. guys are technicians, right? right? Like super yeah. good. Um, but we'd play the same shows and we would, we'd have the same enthusiasm that they would with the same audience, but for different reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, they were dark and cool and, and, you know, like I said, technicians and and powerful and, and everybody loved that. And then we'd come out, we'd be kind of like, turn the lights on, let's just get sloppy. And it wasn't (laughs) the exact opposite, but it was just as appealing. Yeah. And I think that's what Sucker Punch is. It was, it was never supposed to be technically great. Because none of us were we're, the, we're as great as the sum of our parts, or that you know that, that phrase. Yeah. That, that's exactly, uh, you know, what it was when we were all together. We made these great music, but individually, we we're all kind of a uh, wreck. Yeah. Were you guys <laughs> doing any touring at this time, or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we Sucker Punch didn't tour as much as we should have. I mean, uh, we do like California stints and you know yeah. things like that. Um, but I didn't really tour until. Um, the next band I was in, Steve Dave, and that, okay. that did full U.S. and all okay. that stuff. But so, Sucker Punch, yeah. like, what kind of shows were you getting here? Were you lumped in with all the ska punk stuff, or were you getting all kinds of shows? We played for everybody from um, the typical ska punk bands you'd think, you yeah. know, Real Big Fish. We always got thrown on yeah. with those guys, um, but we also played with people like Vanilla Ice. Oh yeah, you know, at Delmar, <laughs> and like, if if they was just that when he was doing the metal stuff. Yeah, God, and boy, that, that was he was crazy. Was he? Yeah, he was a little scary. That is weird. That's a loose a weird nut. Bill. 
Yeah, and he was yelling at his uh, at his crew. Really, really like disrespectful, like uh, like pointing at people. I need I need attention from that guy. Yeah. Who's he? He's not listening to me. Yeah. And he's throwing his microphone stands around. That was just during sound check. Wow, we didn't even set up yet. We're, were there like, bands know. during that time that you guys were super stoked on opening up for? Mm-hmm. Like these guys are like heroes and like yeah, well, we're so actually doing this. I like, had. I had left the band to join Steve Day, but just okay. as I did, they continued with a, a drummer, uh, Paul Emnes. You know who he is? Mm-mm. He played for, I think, Lavish Green. Oh, okay. Um, I know that band. I think. And anyway, he when I left Sucker Punch, um, I replaced myself, which I've always kind of prided myself in doing. If I leave right. a band, I recruit the drummer right. and plug him in because I, I want the band to yeah. keep going. It's yeah. big, you know, and I, I still do that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, so Paul played with them, and they actually opened for Pennywise at Livestock Event Center. Oh, wow. So if you'd asked Sucker Punch the band what their greatest the, you know, show, they'd probably say that, but I can't yeah. say that I was part of it because I wasn't. In fact, I was playing the Zephyr the same night with Steve Dave going, did I make a tactical error? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like they're playing yeah, with Pennywise and I, I wow. Well, um, so did you, you left Sucker Punch to join Steve Dave or mm-hmm. to form Steve Dave or were they yeah. looking for people or what? Yeah, well, Jeff... How did that go down? Because I remember that band. I remember... Yeah, uh, Jeff Dunn from Whiskey, and uh, yeah. I don't know who were the other guys in in uh, Steve Dave. Uh, my bass player uh, Zach uh, Brandner, who plays with me in Weasel now. Oh, okay, all came came full circle. Okay, um, and then uh, Ian Yant, uh, he was our, our rhythm guitar player. He he quit pretty fast after the first EP. Okay, and we replaced him with Ty Fritzing. What happened was Jeff Dunn from Fall Silent. Um, oh crap! I forgot he was in False. Yeah, Silent. yeah. He wrote the well, rules. He was in Whiskey after False Silent, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah, he started wanting to play pop punk, okay. and then when we when Sucker Punch lost our guitar player for the first time, when Brian quit, um, we auditioned some some guitar players, and Jeff Dunn came in audition, and we're okay. like, the guy from False Silent wants to play in our <laughs> band. Like, okay, I totally forgot. Um, so Jeff played with us. He never recorded anything with us, but he played. Guitar for us. We played a bunch of shows, and they were fun because Jeff was a fun guy back right. then, for sure. Um, but Jeff, after Sucker Punch practices, Jeff would stick around with me, and he'd go, hey, I want to show you some. I'm writing pop songs. And he played a couple of the pop songs, and I loved it. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, that's really good songwriting. So I dug it. So we started Steve Dave kind of after Sucker Punch practices, and then we got so into it that it's all I wanted to do yeah. for a minute. I just wanted to focus on that, so... That's when I quit Sucker Punch yeah. for, I don't know, it might have been a year. Yesterday was wrong. Don't be ashamed to cry. I don't know why you insist on crying. I'm changing by myself. And that's the other way that I can say, please don't go away, girl. I'm losing on my own. <laughs> but uh, Steve Dave went, went on tour like you guys tour. Yeah, that. we did. We did a full U.S. into Canada yeah. tour. And, and then did how did that did it fall apart, or were, were you guys just done, or what was next? No, uh, the tour was actually that was probably one of the most fun tours I ever did yeah. to this day. That was yeah. a blast. I remember Steve um, Dave for sure. Yeah, the, the band disintegrated when. I'm, let's say we had members that had substance abuse yeah. issues. Um, and uh, it ruined the band. Yeah. And, and that's all I should yeah. probably say. So then what did you do after that? Back to uh, Sucker Punch? Uh, what are you doing? 
immediately after student, I think I might have done. Yeah, I mean, I always came back to Sucker Punch, and I, I probably always will. Yeah. Um, I'll never quit him again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll be 80 years old with a walker yeah. crawling to my drum kit to play with those guys just because I absolutely love them. Yeah. My best friends in the world, yeah. you know. Um, but I think after Steve Dave, I did a band um, called Stamp Collection Suicide with Chris Holloway. Oh, okay. Um, and then I did Pascal with Paul Wheatley, who was a drug knuckle singer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I... Uh, when did Colin Cadence come in to, to play? Somewhere in between all that. Oh, was it yeah, during, uh, during or, that stuff? Or af- after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happened with Sucker Punch wasn't playing for a bit and my I wanted that was Colin Cadence was actually my brainchild um, even though Chris Holloway wrote all the songs yeah, don't get okay. me wrong but I I handpicked that band like I'm like who do I want to be in a band with yeah. and I'm like I want Mike Young because his charisma on stage was, was amazing you know he's still one of the best front men I've, I've ever played for um, so I wanted him in the band and then I loved Chris uh, Chris's vibe you know he's just cool yeah you know, um, and I knew he was a songwriter, so that was awesome. Were and you guys I, friends? Yeah, I'd known Chris from Stamp Collection Suicide. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I recruited those guys, and we all met, like, at, I think PJs or something, and I said, this is the kind of band I want. I want a face-to-face kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, melodic punk band. Yeah. And they were all about it. That's and cool. It, and that's what we became, but that band, no one ever liked him. No one mm. liked Colin Cadence. I, to me, I still I listen to the record. I'm like, this was good melodic punk with great backing vocals, good songs. Yeah. But like when we played live, it just fell flat. Never had a band like we opened for the Offspring, three thousand people, right? Yeah. It sold out at, at GSR, and we're opening slot, and everyone's. I'm like, we're gonna. I mean, if ten percent of the room like you, you got three hundred new fans, right? right? Like, this cannot go wrong, yeah. right? We would finish a song, and it was crickets. I mean, we. I, I think at one point Mike called them all a bunch of sheep and walked off or something. <laughs> like, it was crazy. But I, oh, and I, I, I still don't. You know, sometimes bands pop and sometimes they don't. Yeah. And if we could all figure out the formula, why we'd all be we all be rock rich. stars, right? Yeah. And that one for some reason just didn't pop. Um. So when was the whole weasel thing? After all that. Was it after Do, all that? I remember what happened was. You and I were talking about this earlier about Zach Damon yeah. and how he was kind of local famous yeah, and because yeah. of Zoinks and Doctor Strange and 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 uh, I'm I'm when I met him uh, or first learned of him in '95 I'm like I'm gonna play in a band with that guy yeah. right so um, I loved his subsequent band um, Big in Japan yeah. uh, and I met Zach in a bar sometime around in 2007 um, I was just talking to him and. I told him how much I liked Big in Japan, and I'm like, if you ever decide to revamp that band, I'm your drummer. I know every song in your, on, on both records. Yeah. I'm ready to go. You know, just hoping, throwing stuff out there. Yeah. And he kind of went, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, blew me off. Yeah. Like, you know, um, probably thought I was a fanboy or something. Right. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. I set the seed, though. You know, planted the seeds like I hope to think. You yeah. know, I did. Uh, and then months later, uh, he called me and he said, hey, if, if you want to try that, uh, maybe we jam out some of the songs and see how it goes. And I'm like, well, you, you got the band? You just need a drummer? And he's like, no, it's just you right now. I'm like, well, what are we going to do? He's like, we're going to play our songs. I'm like, 
oh, just drums oh, and guitar. And he's like, yeah. So we met and we played, and um, we didn't even play big in Japan songs at first. He just like he just started yeah. like picked a key and just started jamming, and I started playing to it. And I hadn't done that since yeah, you know no high school jazz band, you know. But that was when I realized what a uh, monster player he was. I mean, it's just a, when Zach Damon plugs in a guitar. Yeah. It's like, boom. Yeah. I mean, it just blows the doors off the place. And yeah. it was really full. It's just he and I. And then after that, he said, yeah, let's put it together. So, um, yeah, we uh, he recruited a bass player and uh, a rhythm guitar player who ended up being Ty Fritzen, the guy I told you about. Um, and, uh, yeah, and we went on tour. Um, he, I don't, they had a, uh, a record out on Insubordination Records out of Baltimore. Yeah. Um, called Who Really Needs a Heart? And yeah. I don't know that they toured behind that or not. Yeah, I but, don't think they did. Um, I think that's what we... So we toured out to Baltimore and back um, to play Insubordination Fest. Yeah. Because um, as, as a favorite like of the pop, label... and they were It's like a pop punk it. fest, right? Yeah. yeah. Everybody from, um, you know, Dan Vapid and yeah. all those guys, all oh, you know, the cool. Ergs yeah. and all those bands yeah. play that show. So we toured out there and that was it was at that... In subordination fest where I'm he introduced me to Ben Weasel yeah and uh and I didn't know much of Screeching Weasel songs at the time yeah. I knew the name everybody right. knew the name yeah, you know, yeah. the legend you know right. all I knew was they were this <laughs> band that reportedly never toured yeah but they had really great records yeah and really good songwriting so I knew that so I knew to, to revere the dude you know because I knew who he was in the punk rock scene but I can't pretend that I knew ever one of your songs like it was never like that for me yeah but um Ben has like the same look that, that Henry Rollins has, where his eyes are almost like he kind of stares through to the back of your head when he's talking to you. <laughs> it's kind of striking. Right. You know, the only other person that ever did that was when I met Henry Rollins at the GSR outside his tour bus. Yeah. And I, I had always think I was going to say to him, and he just like looks at you like, holy shit. I go, sign this. <laughs> you leave, you know? Yeah. Um, and that is kind of like that. So I didn't say much to him at yeah. all when I met him. And I had no idea that four years later I'd, I'd be playing drums for him. But yeah. um, that was how that happened that was my first real kind of introduction to him yeah so how did it come about i mean that was through zach like well because i know that he rejoined the band so what happened was in 2011 and this all this ugly stuff is online um he was uh, screeching weasel had reformed and they'd put out a record on on fat yeah and uh they were playing um a, a small bar as part of the promotion for that record um South by Southwest was yep. the, the big festival or whatever, um, and which, and they basically the band wasn't stoked to, to be playing that show. A lot of the band you, you do it as almost an obligation to the record right. label yeah. for the record label or whatever. Um, and a fan, a female fan, was throw, you know heckling and, and Ben got in an argument with her, um, and she ended up throwing ice at him, hit him in the face with ice cubes, spit beer in his face, and he held off and, and slugged her and yeah. became one of a big internet mess yeah, or whatever. Remember. And everybody bailed on, yeah. you know, the band. The band says they quit. He says they fired him. I, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I wasn't right. there for any of that. Um, but And I didn't even know that had gone on, but um, I got a, was Ben had contacted Zach and said, I'm, I'm reforming my band. These guys are out. Fuck. They'd only been in the band, I think, maybe two years at the time. So they weren't like, he had no ties to them, really. So he cut them all loose, called Zach. He, he knew he wanted Zach to play in the band again on guitar. And he asked Zach if he knew any drummers, because, of course, everyone's throwing their hat in the ring of course. to play. Yeah. Um, and 
but he told him that he, you couldn't, it wasn't that you just needed to be a uh, good enough drummer to play. You had to have meet some criteria. You couldn't be a drunk. You couldn't be a drug addict. Yeah. You couldn't have girlfriend problems. Because yeah. Ben, this is a business, and you you either show up to work or you don't. Yeah. But he's a real bottom line kind of guy with that stuff. Yeah. Um, and he goes, so I need somebody that kind of fits that mold, that preferably a, a family man or who has his own career. He's not going to be trying to rely on the band to like pay his bills and yep. all that kind of stuff um and zach threw my name out because uh you know i toured with him and zach yeah. you know knew who i was um so i made an audition um not dvd but a video zach filmed me playing screeching weasel songs and i sent it i think he emailed it to the weasel producer was what i had to do yeah and then i waited like three weeks yeah and i didn't hear anything <laughs> and i'm like ah he hates it yeah. sucks and then um, one day I was at work and I got an email. Um, I can't remember if it was from the producer or from Zach. I think it was from the producer, but basically said, um, okay, we'll give him a shot, but he's got to work on some things. Right. And I'm like, Oh man, what's he talking oh, about? And he was talking about the super fast, um, singles that, that the Ramones do, yeah. um, that rock drummers don't do, so but hard. like that Ramones punk yeah. do. I mean, we're talking 250 beats per minute, 230 to 250 yeah. at some, some points. And I was pulling it off, but barely, and I was yeah. struggling, and the producer could see that. Yeah. And he was like, this might be a problem live. So Ben had said, well, we'll give him a shot. He can, he, he can play a show, um, but he's going to have to work his ass off. And, like, and then I reached, and I was like, and I made a video for Ben, me just talking to him. <laughs> and like, you know, just like, hey, man, I, you were right. I was struggling. I'm not even going to lie. That stuff yeah. is hard for me. I go, but if I get this gig, I will get this shit down. I yeah. will work my ass off for you. That's awesome. And uh, and I sent that video to him. Like, hey, he's going to think I'm an asshole or yeah, an yeah, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, And he never said anything about the video, yeah. but I got the gig. At, well, I got the, the one gig in Chicago. Yeah. And it turned out it was sold out. So talk about trial by fire, yeah, right? No we had a new lineup sold wow. out. And, and those Weasel fans know Screeching Weasel songs better than you do. Yeah. Like, as, as the drummer, like, they know stuff better than I do. Like, they've been listening to stuff for you. Um, so you can't fake it. Yeah. You know, and you can't improvise. You have to play the part that's on the record exactly how it was done. Yeah. And Dan Panic's a great drummer. Dan Lumley. Their previous drummers, you know, they were all, on, you know, yeah. on point. So um, I played that first show in Chicago, and uh, I... It went well, I thought, but I never got the "Hey, welcome to the band, you're in." Um, it doesn't work like that, you know. Uh, so, I flew home. And I remember I was on the plane with my wife at the time, and I'm like, "Did I get the gig?" Like, but it's like I think so. Like, <laughs> I think it went well, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then a couple weeks later, I just got an email from the their tour manager at the time that said, "Can you do these three shows on the East Coast?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So I flew out and did those three shows, but there was still no "You're in." So yeah. I came home, going, well, that went well. And then yeah. I got, can you do these three shows on the West Coast? I'm like, yes, I can. And I go, and it's been pretty much going on like that for 10 years. <laughs> it's never been like a, that is crazy. You know, you just, you official. wait for the, for the emails. Yeah. And, um, and I would call it weasel season because like I was, it'd be quiet for a long time. And then all of a sudden, you know, they'd just book shows and I'd get a, a, an email and I get really excited. Oh, I got to yeah. get in shape and get my, yeah. get my wrists going yeah. again and stuff. And, and uh, it's been awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, tell me about the shows, man. Like, sold out. I mean, that's huge, right? That's like some nothing of, well, you've some ever of them have, experienced, yeah, right? For sure. I mean, the, I mean, the, 
some of the sold out shows are 500 capacity clubs and they get like 600 or 700 snick in there and then some of the sold out shows are like 1100 people you know it just depends and then yeah. festivals are crazy i mean those are my favorite yeah um our, like what uh, festival my favorite festival i think we played was uh probably gross rock in belgium yeah just because we were on a main stage and we we're you know somewhere between like the strokes and might have been alkaline tree or the yeah. descendants or somebody like that yeah. and i'm just like you know i remember sitting my my drums were set up on a drum they had multiple drum risers and they just rolled them in right they'd roll one out roll another one in and i remember my drum kit was set up next to bill stevenson's yeah from the descendants and i was like oh fuck that was not lost on me yeah you know what i mean i'm like wow if i never get to do this again that <laughs> you know is what I mean? so like, cool yeah that was cool, and and, and Riot Fest was was a lot of fun too, yeah. just because, you know, I, that, I got to meet um, Tim from Rise Against. There, they weren't even playing; he was just hanging out yeah. from Chicago. Yeah. And he was in our catering thing, and like, and I think Zach Damon introduced me to him. He knows Joe and some yeah. other guys there, and and that was exciting. So yeah, the the festivals for me are just because playing is awesome but also just being back there and watching all your favorite bands from the yeah. side of the stage is yeah like, absolutely you know when, when we we played um a festival in italy with no effect so we they headlined friday night and we headlined saturday night so friday night we were already there so i went to the festival and got to stand and watch them do their thing like you know and like that was almost as fun as the next night playing it right you're just being like you know so there have been some cool moments yeah and it, you know have you met like some heroes of yours that I, and i have actually talked to them oh yeah 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 uh drum drum wise josh freeze yeah was at oh, riot man, fest I love josh. that lucky bastard he was i thought he was there with the vandals he yeah. was there he wasn't there for the vandals he was there for two bands he was playing drums for the replacements and for devo yeah I saw him play I'm with like, Devo. Good God! Like two of the most like yeah. renowned, yeah, like indie rock cool. It, just bands a couple couple months ago, he he posted something on Instagram about uh, he had a gig with Vandals, and then the Offspring's like, "Hey, they fired their yeah, drummer." And he's and he they're flew like, in. "Yeah, he's like <laughs> flew in that the like, same night." You know, private jet. And it's like, yeah. You got to be good to do two different bands. I know they're both punk bands, but like to know their songs that fast. Yeah, like, he well, he's he's such a he pro. Has the career we all want. Oh my as, god, as he's I mean, he's playing with Sting, favorite right drummer. Now. Yeah, dude. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I remember seeing him play with the Vandals in the basement of the Pioneer Center. Wow. And I remember him playing super fast, and then kept the beat going, drank a beer, and yeah. set it down. And I'm like. Or he's no, smoking I'm a like, cigarette. that's not real. He's smoking a cigarette in his left hand and his right hand's doing everything. Yeah, I was like, that's not, not real. How is that? Yeah, I've, I, I had no idea, like, after the Vandals, like, his career. You know, like, oh, yeah. I figured it out after a while, mm -hmm. but it was like, I didn't realize he was that good. Like, Perfect circle. What a great, <laughs> awesome career. And, like, all yeah. these records that I own, I'm like, you know, the studio drummer's Josh Freeze. You know, you're yeah. just like, yeah, that guy's awesome. Well, my favorite Josh Freeze story was the first time I met him when I was in Sucker Punch and we played the Warp Tour and we had backstage all access kind of thing yeah. and I knew who he was yeah. and, and I was talking to him um, about the Vandals of course at the time because I'd just seen that awesome Vandals video they put out of them I don't know if you've seen that mm -mm. it's oh, you, you gotta get live 
I, don't, I, don't, I forget what it's called, but they have a live uh, DVD of them playing a club yeah. uh, in Orange County. And it's okay. amazing. But um, anyway, so Is I it saw the him. Sweat into the oldies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I saw him backstage at Warp Tour, and uh, and I was talking to him, and over his shoulder, the drummer, the drum tech for Seven Dust, was setting up Seven Dust drum set. And I don't know if you ever saw that, but it had a full rack for all the drums and then a rack above the rack for all the cymbals. <laughs> it was like at least two, maybe three kick drums, yeah. probably eight toms going across, two, wow. two floor toms, giant, right? And they were playing and on, on stage right and stage left, um, they were setting up Josh Freeze's drum set from the Vandals, and it was like this four-piece... <laughs> It was DW, but it had no finish. Yeah. It had no wrap. It was just the wood, just a hunk of shit sitting in the dirt, right, with a pedal. And I asked him, like, man, that's the kit you're playing? He's like, yeah, you know, the Vandals. He's like, anything happens to those shows. So I just tell DW to send me any of their factory rejects for these shows, and I just kind of piece them together oh, and, like, man. kind of thing. And it was just just the contrast to that, yeah. like the metal band yeah. with all the bajillion oh, toms and huge awesome. drums. And then the punk rock was just, just like, ah, I don't give a shit. As long as it holds together long enough to get through the show, it's good. Yeah. And I'm like, and now, now he plays for Sting, and I'm sure he has top-of-the-line equipment. But oh I just thought God. nothing's more punk than yeah. that. That is awesome. He could have afforded anything. You know, he yeah. just got paid, I think, I think a million dollars, I think, to do the Guns N' Roses record. Oh, And then yeah. Axel scrapped it, scrapped the drums. Yeah, do you know that? He did Chinese the, the Democracy. Chinese Democracy. Yeah. And then so Axel, is he on that recording? No, he, because he scrapped, scrapped his drums and they re-recorded it with another drummer i don't know what, what happened with that yeah. but um he got paid so he didn't yeah, care you know, he's like whatever but and look insane. at his career since and yeah you know, that guy so many uh, yeah and what's so crazy about stuff. him is like he has all that and like he's like a really personable like down-to-earth guy you can yeah. just shoot the shit with him yeah he's not yeah know. no ego no yeah like, i mean he has every yeah, reason to have an ego you. yeah but yeah, he doesn't yeah. he seems like a really good guy i love that's part of the reason i like punk rock because most of the people i've met in punk rock my heroes bands they're totally down to earth you know what i mean yeah and at first you're like oh god i can't talk to this guy but have yeah, it just like us you know what i mean all just, just dudes trying to yeah. play guitars yeah, and just, bang on drums yeah just yeah. trying to play so during the weasel time on your off time was this the priscilla ford time did you yeah well, was there we, anything before that uh, probably. I, I don't yeah. know. Um, I can't, you know, it's all such a blur. I know. At this point, but, I know. I, was, um, I wrote all these downs. Like, yeah. I got Priscilla Ford, but Engine Fire was definitely after Priscilla. Mm-hmm. But that's all I yeah. got. Priscilla Ford. But you, no, you did the, the last Big in Japan record, right? Yeah. Was that, yeah. When was that in the timeline of Priscilla Ford? Do you know? I before? think it was after Priscilla or Ford and and before, or we were, we were in Weasel at the time. Yeah, it's during Weasel. Yeah, yeah, because Weasel. I've been in Weasel for ten years. Yeah, so like a lot has happened in between that because Weasel's not like a full time band. Right. You know, like I mean, there's always something happening, but there are months of inactivity, and so, yeah. so there's plenty of time to do other things. And, yeah. You know. Um, well, how did Priscilla Ford come about? Well, Zach Damon put it together. Yeah. Um, with a guy named Billy who plays, uh, still plays locally. Deaf Animals. Bass. Yeah. I know Billy. Yeah. Um, and then Todd Imus was singing for that band. Okay. Um, and they just Is he the singer of um... Statues of Bliss? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, and we we went to a recording studio in uh, Grass Valley 
called uh, Louder Studios, I think, memory serves, but um, did everything. That, that Priscilla Ford record came out on vinyl, and that is one of my crowning records as a drummer because there's no click track, and there, it's 100% analog. So I had to do oh, cool. every drum track from start to finish. Really? And I'm playing my balls off on that record. Yeah. I mean, it's not just easy pop songs. I'm moving. And like, I would do a fill, go all the way around the kit, and I hit one little click, uh, and I yeah. hit the rim, fuck it off, start yeah. the whole song over. You know, oh, but cool. we fought through it, and everything was done analog. And when you, you hear that on vinyl, you get yeah. it. You're like, oh, that's why they used to record like this. And yeah, I got it on uh, maybe vinyl. Maybe digital wasn't around. That's probably the real reason, but... Um, a lot of people, you know, I don't know, to me, that was the first record where I actually got the difference. I'm like, oh, no, you can, it's warmer, it's, yeah. it's just, it's lower end, yeah. kind of ballsy, yeah. rock and roll. So um, in my vinyl collection, that Priscilla Ford record is one of my crowning jewels yeah. in there. I, uh, well, I went out to Zach's studio in Fallon and was like, he was showing me a couple records. I'm like, I need that Priscilla Ford record. He's like, I don't have any more. And so I had... Uh, Clinton on the show and he brought one down for me. Oh, cool. And I was like, yes. Sometimes when I'm in the gym working out, I'll put that on my head. Yeah. And the artwork is just great. Like, it's it's a cool band, man. I think the guy that did that artwork was the same guy that does all the Weasel stuff. Oh, really? Ricardo Buccini. I can never pronounce his name. I don't know. It's something Italian. So, was that just a project, or were you guys like planning to do something with it? It was just kind of a project. I mean, we played some shows and stuff, but, you know, I don't know. It just kind of fizzled out. Yeah. We kind of lost interest after that record. Yeah. We recorded it and stuff. And so then when when did you, what, had, so there's been like three Weasel albums since you've been in the band, right? Uh, let's see. We did. There was a double. Carnival one. Schadenfreude. That was yeah. the first EP I okay. played on. Okay, yeah, And then there right. was Baby Fat, which was right. the rock opera. There yeah. were like three drummers, five guitar players, two okay. bass players. Okay. I don't know how many singers. Yeah. It, it, you know, um, and the songs are all great. Yeah. That, for some reason, the fans didn't really register with it's Baby different, Fat. Man. It's different, man. And I think different. it's just because Ben's not singing on every song. Yeah. But it's a rock opera. It wasn't no, supposed it's cool. to be. No, cool. Like, the idea is yeah. cool. But as a fan, for me, it was like, well, this isn't Weasel. And that's you know what everybody people, said, yeah. yeah. That's and, how people and, are. Like, face-to-face to yeah, the same no, thing. And, and, and I like, get it. But I love the, the record. I'm like, yeah, for even, sure. And I'm not on every song. Right. I'm on, like, five. Yeah. Because I couldn't commit to recording 27 songs in the studio. It left me... No time to yeah. tour with the band. And I'm like, ah. So, but the drummer that, that did most of them was a drummer for the All American Rejects. Chris Gaylor was a phenomenal drummer. Yeah. So, like, that record is great. Yeah. But I'm like, ah, whatever. It's definitely great. Don't get me wrong. And I totally respect yeah. everything about it. It's just not Weasel. Yeah. You know I, I, mean? I get it for sure. But I love, sure. like, I love yeah. bands that, like, explore and want to do, like, you can't do the same thing yeah. over and over. Like, well, if you ever get the chance to interview Ben, yeah, like, that dude is an intellectual. Yeah, he's smart. He's not content. If you think he's gonna write Cindy's on methadone over and over and over again, you got the wrong guy. Yeah. I mean that that guy's constantly growing and, yeah, and he's smart. Sure. And he listens to classical music. Yeah, best I can tell, he likes three bands: well, classical music, right? Screeching Weasel and the Ramones. Yeah, you know what I mean. But um, 
but he's well, never got... he's never content to, to repeat himself. He yeah. wants to, you know, and, and why should he? You know yeah. what I mean? He's I get and that's it. why the band grows. But so okay, so we had Carnival Schadenfreude, seven song EP. I did did that and I played on Baby Fat and then um, we did um, two singles, uh, Christmas Eve oh, and New yeah. Year's Eve. Yeah, those are I did cool. those and then I did the record um, Some Freaks of Atavism which yep. came out in 2020. I've never been in love I just did a record last July. It has, it's not out yet. We have a new one coming out in the spring. Yeah. Um, another full length that I love. Yeah. It's cool. Good. Yeah. So, Good. And I hope, that, it... I hope that the fans like it as much as uh, Freaks of Atavism. Yeah. They really dug that That record. album's great, dude. Yeah, and I hope so that this good. is part two to that, but yeah. we'll see. Because, like I said, it's it's not the same stuff. Yeah. Because he, he's, he's a progressive it. songwriter. Like, like there's, there's a song I play on, on Baby Fat. Um, that I, I know it's just meant to be like a, a bridge type song in the, in the rock opera. So it's like a minute 30 or something. Um, and in that minute 30, he crams so much melody and cool like parts into the song that I'm yeah. just like, who the f- how does he think of this? Sh-? You know, like, <laughs> because cool. I write songs now, yeah. right? And like, it's just, it's amazing, you know, like his ability to just take, you know, uh, in a short amount of time, he'll put so much good shit in there. He's, he's an expert at like cutting out the fat and trimming yeah. the, all the filler stuff the bands will do. Oh, we need yeah. it. But if he doesn't think it needs another verse, there's no verse. He, yeah. he writes the song to the song's done in his mind. Yeah. And if it's a minute 30, great. If it's four, whatever. But like, oh, he's yeah. really good at, at just focusing his ideas and stuff. And like, he was doing like part of, he has a podcast now. Oh, he does. Uh huh. Check um, it out. Yeah. It's called cool club kids he doesn't talk about music so much in it but for a while um i mean he may at some point but yeah. um for a while he was doing like songwriting you know, talking about songwriting and things like that and when i started writing my own songs i would send them to him after i recorded them like hey what do you think i should do that and he's like well why are you sending them to me now you've already recorded it i'm like yeah i know <laughs> i still don't know yeah. what you think you know because he's the best songwriter right now yeah know? so why wouldn't I want to know? Yeah. And and he would he'd give me like his honest critique, and he'd yeah. go, "I don't think you needed to say this here. Or this yeah. this phonetically doesn't sound like it goes." Like he he'll analyze words and go, "I wouldn't rhyme that with this. That's not a perfect rhyme." Yeah. Like he do you don't need you know and like that's cool. He thinks about things in like the detail you know that that I wouldn't normally. So yeah. like whenever he's talking about that shit, I'm all ears. Yeah. You know because like he, he God he's if you. <laughs> Sometime peruse the Screeching Weasel like library and look at how many songs that guy's yeah, written. Dude. And you know, yeah. and that's not even he's got stuff he hasn't even released. Yeah. You know, the recorded, he's got ideas he hasn't finished. He's just constantly, you know. This last record, uh, you know, I, I, there were some stuff that we had done. We actually recorded a s- sixteen songs um, in Green Day's studio out in, in Oakland oh, okay. for a Weasel record. Oh, cool. And, Ben didn't like the the production that was going okay. how it was going and and um and scrapped it and you know that's his own quality control if he doesn't think it's good enough yeah. it doesn't meet his level he's he's out yeah and some of those songs were saved on the freaks of atavism and some of them were saved on this new one yeah um so where was the like new couple. one recorded was uh, it this, uh, in Oklahoma 
Is that the All American Rejects mm-hmm. guys? Mike studio, Kennedy. Right? Is that yeah. as all the stuff that you've been doing at that studio? Um, well, the the Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve singles we did in L.A. The okay. Studio in L.A. Okay. Um, but the other stuff was all uh, done in Oklahoma. Okay. The one, like I said, the one we did in Oakland at the Green Day Studio. Yeah. Um, never saw the light of day. Yeah. So. Um, but we didn't have Kennedy producing it. We were working with a different guy and yeah. stuff. And it was, it, you know, I don't know. Zach Damon would tell you that the, the charm of that he liked, uh, almost more so than what ended up being, um, some freaks of atavism. I don't know that I, I agree with that entirely, yeah. but I haven't heard of them all either. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, but yeah. for one reason or another, it, it didn't make it. Yeah. So, you know, but. So how did, uh, engine fire get going? Uh, because that's pretty recent. Yeah, I mean, um, it just how did that go? I know I wanted to start another band with Chris. You know, um, I always liked his songwriting in a sense. He, he and I see eye to eye most yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Although he he probably argued that in the studio. We we battled a lot of our vocals in the studio. <laughs> that's any band though. Yeah, man. Like, but ultimately, when it comes to songwriting and stuff, like yeah. and. and making punk songs and stuff. Um, he was my guy when I wanted to start another band and I really wanted to play in a band with my son. Yeah. So Josh was playing bass, um, with that band. And, um, we actually started that band with Todd Inus actually, but, um, Todd quit, uh, abruptly. So Chris took over vocals and it, and it kind of settled in after that. Yeah. And then we got Sean Rucker, um, filling in on guitar and, um, yeah, um, I did two EPs with them. Um, proud of both of them, loved them to death. I actually um, walked away from that band because I thought Weasel was going to start touring as things were going to pick up. Yeah, we had, you know, we had Freaks of Atavism coming out and stuff. And then COVID, you know, because of COVID, we just the band's been totally inactive yeah. live wise. Um, and I instantly regretted leaving Engine Fire. Yeah. the drummer to replace myself yeah you know so they could keep going i wasn't keep float you know and um to his credit travis is kicking ass yeah. with that band you see they're they all seem happy and you know it's a great band it's a good fit yeah for it's sure. a really so great band I, I dig it so tell me about your your solo stuff like why did you want to start writing like you just finally I've had been... the the well, I'd been tinkering with bands for, or not, but tinkering with guitar rather for years. Yeah, you know, but I'm still not any good at it. But I'm good enough to to throw chords, piece chords together and stuff. Um, but I never, I'd always tried to write songs and I never could. Yeah. And then, um, I met my fiance uh, three years ago, and she kind of inspired me to try again. Yeah. Um, and I did, and for some reason, it clicked. And the first song I ever wrote was called Lauren, which is her name, all about her. Um, and it was I, I, no one was more surprised than I was when I actually wrote the song. Like, oh, man, what I've been trying for decades yeah. you know, and could never do it. All of a sudden, it clicked. And then once I wrote one, I wrote another one. And it just, it's, it's been going ever since. Um, and I probably have, I don't know, 25 yeah. or so. 
written. Um, so I haven't been doing it that long, but I've, I've been um, trying to do them well. I think they're getting better with every record. Like the first record, there's some things on there I'm kind of, you, kind yeah. of cringe, you know, right. when you hear because you're learning, yeah. you know. Uh, and you go, okay, next one, I won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of thing. Yeah, you can you can see, you can hear it. Yeah, and I think the songs are getting stronger. Like yeah. the last EP I put out. The like, last EP is awesome. Know, and I put a For samba sure. on there. I have a yeah. samba beat, you know, like a pop punk song. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so I'm not. You know, the cool thing about like, so as, as far as why I did it, um, I've always loved music. And yeah. The, the fantasy is to be able to write your own. Yeah. You know, but I always just said oh, I'm a drummer. I can't do it, so I just got to play other people's songs. You know, be the best drummer I can be for their songs. Yeah. So um, the minute I've, I've. I realized I could do it myself. It was addicting, and I just wanted to do it all the time. And I still—it's all I want to do—is write and, yeah. and record my own stuff. That's and, cool. You know, I still like playing drums, you know, for other bands and stuff. But there's, you know, I played my very first show as a lead singer, uh, front man, um, what two weeks ago or a week ago yeah. or so, and uh, I get it, man. I get why people want to be up front. You must know. <laughs> I hate it. Oh, you hate it? I'm only the singer because we couldn't find a singer. Oh, man. wow. For me, I was like, man, I get why people like this. Because, like, uh, you know, like, um, it's it's scary. Yeah. You know, it's I feel safer behind my drum kit. Yeah, I feel like sure. I'm protected. I got a wall around me. And I got everybody else. If it goes south, those guys are up front. You yeah. Know, and, and uh, but I, you know, I don't know. I liked it. I, I still, I'm not a great singer. I've, it's, you know. I think the songs are good. I think the songs are better than my singing ability. Yeah. So as long as the songs are there, I got something to offer, I hope. Yeah. Um, and the show went well. So um, I'm hoping that like the songwriting, the singing will just get better the more I do it live. Yeah. So you know? tell me about the recording process. Like, did you have uh, like the songs just completely written or were they just kind of like demos and then you went to the studio and had help putting these things together so, or how it works was um everything that i've that you have recorded the three eps that are out there yeah uh, you know in digital and everything else um were i wrote 100 percent of the song which is to say um i had skeletons of the you know start to finish all the chord progressions yeah. right and i could sing the song like i could play a few on an acoustic guitar start to finish i record them like that on this really shitty app that I have called Four Track, because yeah. the only thing I know, because I'm so technically, you know, behind the curve, I can't even, yeah. you know, record myself properly. So I would email or text message or email them to Chris Fox, my guitar player in Sucker Punch, uh, you know, Boss's daughter. He yeah. does all those bands. So um, good. I would send them to him in Oregon, and I would say these are the songs. I want. it would just be me and an acoustic guitar singing with my daughter's parakeets chirping in the background. <laughs> and he was like, "What the hell is that noise?" I'm like, "They're her birds. Just ignore that." And my horrible vocals oh, with no effects or no help yeah. reverb or anything, just singing into like my phone. 
or whatever. And uh, but no drums, no bass, no lead, nothing, none of that stuff. Yeah. And then I would say we're gonna meet in the studio and we'll just work it out. And the, so the first time we did it, it was kind of an experiment to see yeah. if we even pull it off. Yeah. So he met me at the Puss Cavern in Sacramento. Joe Johnson was engineer extraordinaire working down there. Um, and the night before we kind of ran, I got on my drum kit and I go, this is what I'm going to do on the drums. And I wrote out all my drum parts. I still do that wow. to, to the fill. Wow. I mean, everything is written. I have charts. Now they're not charts. Anyone else could read because right. it's half theory shit and half my own because I, I don't you. understand theory, but every fill, every drum beat, every pattern is thought out and, and meticulously charted. So when I get in there, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So I would show him what I'm going to do. And then he would just chord along, power chord, you know, to like the rhythm guitar part first. And then when it came to the solo stuff, he would just be listening while they're he, getting like a rough mix. And Chris would just improvise that shit yeah. um, and come up with his own solos on the fly. Yeah. And then the engineer would go home and Chris would stay up. He's a night owl when he works. Like he, he sleeps until one in the afternoon, but he'll be up till three, four in the morning recording. Yeah. And like, he was, we were up, uh, he started, the engineer would go home about nine. We'd chill for like an hour. And then from like 10 to two in the morning, Chris would be laying down bass himself, sitting next to the uh, computer with a space bar, yeah. punching himself in right. and out as he worked out these really cool bass parts. And when you hear this stuff, like, holy shit, he's a great bass player. Yeah. And then he next day he'd lay on the guitar solos and he would just be like writing them. And, and I'd wow. go, nah, don't do that. Go here. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, let's try this. And, and we kind of talk about talk it through until we piecemealed the song. And then it was, so my skeleton was now yeah. like complete. And then wow. I would do vocals. And then we'd come back to Reno and he with with a rough mix of that. And then he Chris would record Penny singing her backup vocals in my spare bedroom of my house. Oh, okay. And then we would email them back to Joe yeah. at the studio, and he would fly them in there and then mix them oh, cool. and then send them back. And, yeah. and that was pretty much the process. To this day, that's how – well, not to this day because things I have a band now. Right. But up until the last record, that's how we were doing it. So Chris would get really raw demos. They were start to finish. Yeah. I mean, I knew you know structure was all there and the songs were all there, the lyrics, everything was done. But it was up to him to come up with those really creative guitar That's parts cool. and the bass parts, yeah. and, and I would just tell him go nuts, yeah. like, do your thing, man, because I, his style, he's Chris, so good Chris doesn't does. need direction. Yeah, he's, you know what I mean? He's a pro. So, um, Lauren sits so close to me, writing out Spanish poetry. It feels like she's a million miles away. I'm not supposed to make requests This is something I acquiesce But there's so much more to her I've gotta say So, so you got a band together just to start playing these, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. it's, uh, tell me about the band. Who's in the band? So um, my lead guitar player is Vince Gates. Um, li he lives in Carson. Yeah, he owns um, the Play Your Own Music, right? Mm -hmm. What bands has he been in? Because I know he recorded like Drug Knuckle and mm -hmm. the First Crush Story, but what else is he? He he. You know, there's a, a tribute band called the Floyd. Um, that is really good, and yeah. they, they've sold out Cargo. They oh, really? played, yeah, they've they've played big shows in California. They play in theaters. And oh, stuff. Okay. it's legit, right? They're not. They're, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a full on tribute where they they stick the stuff spot on. Gotcha. Um, that's 
probably his biggest gig. Yeah, I think. Um, and then uh, Penny from the Shames. Right. Um, yeah. I really wanted her to be in the band because she's cool. she, she's on all the records. Yeah. She's the other half of the vocals. Yeah. So if I lost Penny, I like I have yeah. to find someone at least sounds yeah. somewhat like her. Um, she plays rhythm guitar and sings backup. Okay. And that's I mean she's that's her her forte is coming up with backing vocal parts. Like when she would come to record the stuff, she'd have her stuff written out. She already had her own ideas, and she would just like she just yeah. hits the ground running. Total cool. Pro. Yeah. I mean, her voice, I love yeah, it. she's you awesome. Know? I love totally. the Shames. Um, and then Shane Forrester is my bass player. Yeah, who is that? Um, he plays in the Juveniles. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And a couple, I think probably some other, couple other bands too, yeah. at least he did. But I actually played with Shane in um, Miracle Drugs with Zach Damon oh, for a yeah, minute. yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I'd you known Shane. You drumming on, in that? Yeah. Were you drumming on the recording? Uh... I don't it's know like which that yellow and blue cover. It's like no, 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 no. no. Um, I think that was probably Preston. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, but I, yeah. So for a brief period of time, I played with Shane, so I knew of him. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, I had actually I wanted Tim Blake to to play bass in the band. That was my first thought. Um, and Tim actually recommended Shane to me. He goes, well. I go, because Tim had played bass on the Priscilla Ford record. Yeah. So I said, well, Tim, I, I want you to play bass in my band. I like your style because he, he plays almost like a guitar player. A lot of people don't like right. that. Yeah. I do. I like yeah. when they're really intricate bassing right. going on. You know, yeah. I like that stuff. And I knew Tim could do it. Um, but Tim was in a bunch of other bands. And he's like, look, if I'm being honest with you, you like my bass playing and I get it. He goes, but I'm when I play bass, I'm just trying to do what Shane does. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Shane Forrest. He's like, yeah. He goes, you should really call that guy. Yeah. So I did, and I sent the stuff to Shane, and he was into it, lucky for me. Yeah. And then my drummer, um, I thought, man, if I'm doing like a poppy kind of band, pop punk, you know, Zoinks, right? Yeah. Bob Conrad. Yeah. So I thought, so I called Bob out of the blue, and I, cause I knew he'd been playing with some other local bands, but I, but I hadn't seen his local bands out in a while. Yeah. So I had a feeling that maybe he was free, but I wasn't sure. And I called yeah. him like, are you doing anything musically right now? And he's like, oh, not really. I got some things on the burner, but I <laughs> yeah. don't know. So like, if I send you some songs, you listen to them and see if you'd be interested in drumming? And he's like, yeah. And so I sent him the first EP, uh, a couple songs off that EP. I think just texted to him. Yeah. And uh, he got back to me the same day. He's like, I'm on board. Absolutely. That's so cool. like, and the band was born. Yeah. And, Chemistry-wise, I couldn't ask for a better lineup. I mean, there's no ego or, yeah. you know, bullshit yeah. or illusions yeah. or delusions. Right. And these guys are all just realists. They've all been in the scene. They've all been playing for, you yeah. know, decades. So it's it's easy. What's yeah. not easy is time. Yeah. You know, everyone's got their – I, I want to practice more than, than yeah. they're able to. Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. Um, but everyone has lives yeah. and, and the stuff. So we do once a week, but – that's why it took almost six months to get ready to play a show. Because yeah. when you practice once a week, it's just, it's difficult. Yeah, you got to relearn know? everything almost every week. And... Yeah. So so what is your plan yeah. with with this group now? Are you guys going to start writing the next one It's already together? written. It's already written. Or is it just yeah. you writing them still? Um, both. Yeah. Um, when I say it's already written... Um, it wasn't that I wrote it without them. It's yeah. just I had, I wrote it without them because they weren't in the band yet. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. continued writing, I and I had um, seven 
seven songs written. I, I tend to record them six at a time. It's kind of my thing yeah. uh, for financial reasons. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, a lot yeah. easier than trying to record 13 <laughs> or 14. Um, yeah. But I, I wrote seven songs or, and as I put this band together. And then I was struggling with one, with the eighth song. And um, I had the chorus for it. Uh, and I had I have all the lyrics, but I couldn't come up with a melody for the verses to tie into this chorus. Yeah. And I realized I was writing it backwards for the first time. Like, I came up with the chorus first, and then usually I, I progressed to the chorus, right? Mm -hmm. But this wasn't happening like that, and I was stuck. So I sent it to Vince, my guitar player, and I said, look, I'm, I can't, here's the words, here's the chorus. See if you can come up with a verse for this. And Vince is like, this is what I'm good at taking an idea and yeah. adding to it and stuff. Right. He goes, so let me toy this. And the same day, he came up with something, drove down to my house from Carson, um, and we, we played it on acoustic guitar, and he came up with the most beautiful verse. Yeah. It's, it's almost as good as a chorus. Like, yeah. Shh. Yeah. So to answer your question, I am using these guys to write now, yeah. too. I mean, the, the core will probably always be my ideas unless they bring something right. to the table. I'm totally open to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's... So the next EP will probably you know 90%. But it's the same thing. It's it's my core songwriting, sure. but I don't know anything about bass guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about lead guitar. Right. I barely know the chords that I put it together with. Yeah. So I need Vince. Yeah. I need Shane. I yeah. need Penny like to and I tell them I just told had this conversation with him like a few days ago at practice. I'm like with this new stuff cuz we do one more show at the end of this week and then I'm gonna, we're going to do their new record. Like that's the idea. And right? you guys are going to do it like you're gonna use these guys yeah. on the record. They're, yeah, they're my cool. band, right? That's and I cool. told them that. So you're gonna not play the drums. Not playing the drums. Oh, I know. You know my man. my That's girlfriend cool, gives me. It's like you okay not playing. I'm like yeah, I gotta step yeah. up because if, if I step hire the back, guy, he's the drummer. Yeah. He's the yeah. drummer. You know what I mean? And I don't want to be you know yeah. armchair quarterbacking it. And I, so I tell these guys, I want this to be your part. You write your guitar part. I'm not gonna tell you what to do. I mean. I trust them enough that I know they're going to make it fit. These yeah. guys are all talented. Yeah. No one's going to... Bob's joking. He's like, all right, you asked for the blast beats. But I know he would never do that to yeah, me. Yeah. So they know what they're doing. Yeah. And I want them to do it. I want to see what it's going to sound like. And yeah. it's, it's scary for me because Chris Fox is always the ace up my sleeve. Exactly. You know I, mean? I just call this guy down but, but, and yeah, everything he does is like, now it's like great. a growing experience. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. you chose these people for a reason. Yeah. So And I want to see what they bring to the trust. table. Yeah. yeah. So the band is called Irreplaceable Beings, mm -hmm. right? That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was That's initially awesome. just called Pierre. Yeah. How terrible is that? <laughs> nope. The you reason, search somewhere, though. The reason I couldn't do that was because none of my music could be found on Spotify. Because yeah. apparently there's a bajillion artist named Pierre on Spotify. So like to to search out any of my music on yeah. any of those... Um, uh, I almost want to say file sharing, but it's, that's yeah, not yeah. correct. What, right. Digital... Yeah, digital platforms. Platforms. Yeah. You'd have to scroll down like 37 yeah. people to find my records. Yeah. So my friend Paul Wheatley actually said he's like you need to come up with something that no one else has it's not close to anything yeah so there's maybe one or two and all that stuff instead of 37 so otherwise nobody will be able to find your music yeah. so i did so i changed it to irreplaceable beings which i think i'd named the second record so i'm like well i'll just take that name and just make that the band name yeah because i know there was nothing else on you know when i googled it there was nothing else there so i'm like cool good enough um but then i went through hell trying to get it changed because it's now fixed. But when I started to try to change the name from Pierre to Irreplaceable Beings, I couldn't do it because once the metadata yeah. from your recordings is registered as Pierre, like yeah. it, won't let you, it wouldn't let you change that. And uh, so I was stuck. 
And then, but I, I kind of waited it out. Like eight or nine months later, I tried it again and it worked. Like they fixed the glitch or they allowed you to change yeah, it. Cool. And I was so thrilled. Yeah. So I instantly changed it. But then I had to go change it on Bandcamp and I had to yeah. change it, you know, things that weren't yeah, pain in the ass. done through DistroKid. It was, yeah. it was a nightmare. So, but it was a good lesson. You really can't, you know, you could have co coexisting names back in the day yeah. before that. It wasn't such yeah. a big deal. But now, you will get lost yeah. in the because there's so many artists from your every upload stuff into the same, you know, media sites, yeah. and you'll your music will never be found. And it's like yeah. that's the worst thing in the world. I know, I know, <laughs> man. So what's next? What's uh, what's up with Weasel? Like you guys are gonna have an album coming out, and I'm sure you got to play shows to push that album. And yeah, are there well, any I'm hoping. Plans or? I'm hoping that the Weasel will be doing shows um, by summer. Yeah, but I'm not. I don't know, yeah. um, because the thing is, is that the, the problem with with Screeching Weasel and, and how the band operates and the COVID thing. Yeah. Um, if you if you're a band like our our friends the Queers, like they tour constantly, yeah, right? All the time. So if you have like you know 15 shows and a show gets canceled, you got the other 14 to kind of make up for it. But, oh, I got gotcha. you. But Weasel just does. We just do fly-ins, so yeah. we do like Friday, Saturday, Sunday shows. Yeah. So there's just three shows. So if one of those shows get canceled, yeah. you only have two to make up that money. Yeah. And our show, you know, yeah, it's, it's not just it's you know, the guarantee that they got to cover, but we have hotel rooms, yeah. flights for five band members plus uh, a road manager, yeah. hotels for all those people, the rental cars, like all this stuff just adds up. So if we get a show canceled. Ben eats it, yeah. You know what I mean financially, and he's he can't, yeah. You know, no one wants to do that. No. So, um, and what happens is, the shows like everything's getting back to normal because people aren't wearing masks and things like that. But every time a new variant comes, ticket sales plummet, and our booking agent has told Ben like, you know, we, we got to wait this out. It's yeah. still too topsy turvy because every time you think, hey, we're we're back. They go, oh no, and they name yeah. a new variant, and everybody panics, and people stop buying tickets, yeah. and shows, clubs close up, and yeah. so I think we're close because yeah. people, I think, are just getting so sick of it that they're just like, give me COVID yeah. and let me get it over with, so we can go on with our lives. <laughs> yeah. And I think that at some, hopefully by summer, maybe this will be like, remember back when we used to have to wear yeah. masks? Like, when we get to that level, I think maybe we'll get some live shows yeah. going again. Um, cool. And maybe I don't. I don't fully like. I don't know when the release date for the new record yeah. um, is going to happen. Um, I'm sure, you know, Ben will let us know, and you know, the yeah. booking agent he decide, you know. And we'll have to pre-order the vinyl because it takes forever to make. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and they sell out fast. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. man. It's crazy. I've now interviewed three Weasel guys: you, Panic, and uh, Zach. Wow, cool. So I got to get the whole band, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I love Dan Panic, by the way. Oh, my God. That guy, Zach, hooked that up. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that was an awesome interview. That guy's awesome. Yeah. Just I, a down-to-earth, yep. cool dude. He's in it for the music. You know? Yep. I love that guy. We, we he um, Last year, uh, we played a show in Chicago, and Dan flew out, and they let him play. They gave him five songs um, from the Wiggle record yeah. that he played in the middle of our set. Yeah, and uh, and it, it was awesome, you know, watching him up there. There's a little bit of me was like, get out of my chair. Yeah, you know what I mean. I hear you. <laughs> you know? I hear you. Because but it was cool to watch him. Yeah, rocking in his element, and he's a great drummer, yeah. and he's an even better human being. Yeah, because the best part of that was 
when we flew back, we were we didn't do this on purpose, but we ended up on the same flight back to. He was flying to. Uh, he lives in the Bay Area. Yeah. And I was flying back to Reno, but I had to fly to Oakland first and then backtrack back to Reno. So we were on the same flight to Oakland. So it was a Southwest flight. So we sat next to each other. And for five hours, we were just talking about what was it like being in Weasel in the 90s? He's like, what's it like being in Weasel today? And we were comparing notes with working with Ben and getting the, you know, learning the songs. I would love to hear that conversation. It was the best conversation ever. And we realized that we, like, had we known each other we'd have been buddies friends yeah. like, we totally hit it off yeah. got along and to yeah. this day he like every veterans day he sends me a happy veterans day text message and i'm That's like oh cool. stan like can you almost say your watch cool. like, i love it he let me come to his house and, oh, wow. and interview just like this oh, he didn't cool. even know me he knew me through zach wow and then i told him like wiggles you know my, easily my favorite weasel album like mm-hmm. that's what you know, help me grow up into punk rock or loving it. And he's like, Oh, I got the new one. And he like signs it. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you don't understand how cool this is to me. Like, I don't know. I just love. Stuff and they, like that, that was know? the remastering yeah. of that record. And it yeah. sounds way better. And the guy we recorded with it. Paul Minor remastered mm-hmm. it. That's right. So I remember and I, he had in the studio. Too. Remember when I was texting you, I'm like, aren't you with a guy that, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. There's yeah. just so I love the circles of punk, man. Like we're we're all yeah. in this together, and totally. we're all crossing paths paths in this weird way. And that's why I like talking to people because I I don't know you outside of Suck a Bunch and Weasel. You know what I mean? I'm always like, yeah. oh, that's the drummer Weasel, but I don't. We never talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. We kind of talk, but that's why I like doing this kind of thing. So absolutely, I appreciate you talking to me. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. You got anything else you want to add? Playing Friday night. This comes out before that. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna come out Saturday. Oh man, after we'll push it. Well, if you made the show, good for you guys. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right, Matador. Thanks, dude. There it is. There you have it, Pierre Marche. Dude, rules, man. So glad I finally got to sit down and talk to him. That first aired March 5th, 2022. Um, A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff to talk about, man. That was a long one. And what a great guy. Go check out all his bands. His new band is Killer. Um, Irreplaceable Beings. Going to play a show with them coming up. And uh, just support the scene, man. Reno Punk Rock. There's a lot there. And uh, thanks for listening, man. Pierre, I'll see you again soon, I hope. See you guys.